here I'll crack us open. Welcome was, back, friends. That was a weak crack, but I can't control that. It's an old style can. They're made cheaply. You man, if I could have if I should have isolated that really good crack you got that one episode. I know. And then I We'll get there. That's the one thing we should borrow someone's mic for is just to open a beer and say that sound. <laughs> we refuse, continue to refuse to do it for our voices. But like, listen, life is full of mistakes. We've made many. And my deleting of that file, that audio track was one of the worst mistakes I've ever made. So <laughs> that's okay. Because well, we're here with more Franco. Yep, we're back. And it's time for another episode of your favorite show in history yeah you thought we were going to quit files. yeah we're not yeah, you thought we weren't going to do it didn't you yeah and that's fair that's yeah. a fair assumption that we, we probably both wondered as well so we're <laughs> right there with you oh i was taking bets where we were going to bail on this in his biography when we started this but well i'm the worst though because if we would have bailed i still would have had to compulsively just finish it just for no reason like <laughs> on your own <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it just would have like leaked into whatever episodes we did next because i would have been like you should have kept going for this one dude like this porno is very special <laughs> oh my god yeah let's see what special pornos we'll find today because oh i've yep. got mine yeah i see the bullseyes on certain titles for me get ready to be annoyed oh i'm ready you know Don't worry I'm- i've 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 taken to treating the things that I know I don't need to talk about a lot that I do want to stand up for as the Patreon app. So I've got it. I've gotten it tight. You're the only person I know that defends the Erwin C. Dietrich uh, shot in a tiny room movies. So that's, uh, hey, that's more of us. the fans are growing. No, they're not. <laughs> All right. All right. So well, let's, um, get, let's get back into that room. Let's see. Let's what's see last time we talked to y'all, um, we were, uh, yeah, we did, uh, Blue Rita. We finished up on Blue Rita. Um, I almost said the other side of gentlemen because my Ringo Lamb notes are mixed in with my Franco notes now because I ran out of notebooks. Uh, <laughs> there's an opportunity to say give to our Patreon. Will yeah. needs a new notebook. I need a notebook. Yeah. Thank you for those who have joined us. And also, just to get out of the way at the top, our upcoming shows we have on October 7th doing Unfriended Dark Web with the director, Steven Susco. Um, if you the if the showtime scares you away at 11.30 p.m., keep in mind it's a very short movie. Um, and it's a Saturday. It's a Saturday, and Steven's very charismatic and touched that people actually want to talk about his movie in a good way. So yeah, it's going to be a good show. Party. That night's going to be a party. So yeah. This, yeah. you got to come out with the... Uh, with the the intention to rebel rouse and yeah because as soon as we're done we're gonna take it over to tunes so <laughs> i don't think i don't even think tunes will be open at that point but maybe <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out we'll go somewhere um and then on the 10th in the small theater we've got jess franco's bloody moon with our friends at seven uh matt from seven will be there yep. uh doing a seven pop-up but mostly focused on franco and we can't say what yet, but some of everyone's favorite Franco-specific merchandise items from over the years uh, are making a triumphant return, specifically for the show. And they they were uh, originally never going to come back. So 
You're we welcome. Feel special, so should you. So should you. And then after that, uh, November on the 27th, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the 27th. Yeah. November 27th, we're teaming up with Ramona Slick, uh, who's going to join us and do a performance for a highs and lows show. Um, we put our brains together and came up with Practical Magic and Vampiros Lesbos. So again, Severn will be there with us um, as it's officially part of the Franco takeover of the United States that we will have more to announce <laughs> regarding November soon. That won't be the only Franco show in Chicago <laughs> in November. <laughs> this is going to get so insane. We're really yeah. going to lose control of this, and I'm excited. <laughs> Absolutely. Now that we also will have other shows um, in addition to this and to uh, highs and lows. Yeah, we're going to lose track of things. Yeah, it's good. Very um, and then in December, since we announced it on stage, we won't even say the date yet because it's not on the website, but we are doing a 35 millimeter print of Freddy Got Fingered uh, alongside Lars von Trier's The Idiots. And um, let's just say that a certain someone involved with the former of those movies is very happy about that screening. And there might be more to it. Until we'll see. Maybe you never know. All sorts of surprises abound. Yep. We are we are working hard to give y'all shit that hopefully no one else is. So, in one form or another, yes. In one form or another. That's right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what we're up to. We got we're cooking a lot more shit. We have definitely too many um what are those called? Like pokers in the fire or whatever. Irons in the fire. Irons, that's it. I can't when I get in Franco mode, I can't do like speak outside of talking about the movies <laughs> it kind of breaks yeah, down pokers, yeah. <laughs> Dip those in the fire. but yeah we're working on a lot of shit um and we're gonna hit the road soon yeah we're gonna hit the road if you are listening to this not in chicago but in the u.s we, we're not going international yet but fingers crossed if this yeah, is a we need a lot more uh buddies in patreon land yeah, yeah, yeah but we'd love to so if you want to see us go to i don't know fucking Uzbekistan or something to show a Franco movie at <laughs> that Patreon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll uh, we'll do it. And uh, yeah, we might hit close to all 50 states. So we're going to. We'll see. We'll see we if we got to save Hawaii and Alaska for last. <laughs> I might end up moving to Alaska if we go there. <laughs> Get those tax credits. Awesome. You know what? Unlike the United States, we won't ignore Puerto Rico. So we'll work on that too. I don't know if we can get over to Puerto Rico now. <laughs> yeah. There's new visa laws, but uh, maybe that's just for you. I don't know. Well, it's not about that today. We'll figure <laughs> it out. Today we are picking up where we left off. We just did Blue Rita. And also, I'm sure some of you, whether you're getting into Franco or have always been into him, you've noticed. More and more announcements of home video. Um, our buds at Kino are doing a bunch coming up. And right after we released our last episode, um, Full Moon announced their uh, Blue Rita Blu-ray. So finally, there's a stateside one, um, hopefully with a new subtitle translation, because we love those German Blu-ray releases of the Franco and Dietrich movies. But the uh, translations have a little left to be desired. So mm-hmm. hopefully there's a new one. <laughs> I'm sure the ever reliable scholars at Full Moon will uh, make sure that that's proper. I will say, shockingly, 
we all know Full Moon uh, definitely has a little trouble with the QC department, but their Franco releases are all good. Well, I'm trying to think what I bought from Full Moon lately. I guess I bought I bought that Sergio Martino Scorpion with the two tails, which left a lot to be desired. Oh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I really, unless it's Franco or it's Puppet Master, probably wait for the reviews to roll out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you just want to roll the dice and you're like, this could be awesome. Just admit it wasn't that. It was Ginger Dead Man crossover with the like Bong movie or whatever. That's what you bought. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about the, those movies. Yeah, the killer Bong movies. Yeah, like Ginger Dead Bong 420 or something. Bread Man. <laughs> <laughs> when they go so far that even I don't care, that's when you know you should hang up your hat wow <laughs> well said <laughs> first up i think probably one of john's favorites in the whole catalog um you want to tell the folks what we're going to be talking about here <laughs> oh sorry I, rebecca texted me okay yeah um yes let's uh let's get into it the first thing this is easily the best of all of these <laughs> um no we're back to as i was uh ribbing will at the beginning we're back in erwin c dietrich territory though not for long but we are this is another suspenseful episode as we build to something that really changed a lot in franco's career that we will get to during this episode so yes we will and uh yeah bomb gardener's back but uh is this the one where he has yeah but yeah, he Palm Gardner actually plays a role in this movie, yeah. which is pretty funny. I think he does in the next couple, but yeah, this is uh, Satanic Sisters, otherwise known as Sexy Sisters, some in yep. some places. Yes, yeah, so that little room from Swedish Nymphos Slaves and all those other fucking movies is is redressed once again. It's back. It's back, and you can feel Jess wanting to push those walls down yes and just, like nut furiously all over the place and ecstasy he, he does he does in moments in this try to push those walls down we'll get to that but this movie's about a uh supposedly insanely wealthy uh woman who keeps her younger sister tied up to a bed and drugged with uh essentially in the franco universe what amounts to a nymphomaniac <laughs> drug <laughs> just makes yeah. you sex yeah. gas yeah frank is patented well, it's not it's not gas this time because it's oh, yeah. injection sex injections it's, it all comes from the same chemical compound i would have to imagine last uh soon to be seen in the timeline in the 90s uh in uh robert zemeckis is what lies beneath yep pretty yeah. sure this is the same stuff they're working on i think so yeah <laughs> it's definitely like you know there's de- a lot of similarities on a molecular level at the very least yes we saw it in shining sex we saw it in blue rita and uh yes yes so this this woman is uh essentially drugging her sister millie and getting pleasure from not seeing millie ever be sexually satisfied so she brings home shitty dudes to fuck her sister but purposefully picks dudes that she knows will not satisfy if anyone could her sister to drive her insane to collect an inheritance so you're firmly in a 
Giallo-esque. Oh, I'm not. Okay. You can say that that's where we're at. I don't know. But w- w- in terms of plot mechanics, this is very on board with like those Umberto Lindsay fucking movies with Carol Baker. Yeah. On paper. On not- paper. That's what I meant. On paper. Giallo's <laughs> coming up. Don't worry. Yes. It's coming yes. up. But uh, no, I-, I mean like on paper, it reads as one of those, but it's um, probably way less interesting than some of the worst but i mean you know it's this is a hothouse in a bad way franco it literally feels like a house that's too small and you're being cooked alive in the heat one uh, of my favorite um which should doesn't that sound great doesn't that sound like something you want to experience well that we'll talk about that kind of uh, oppression and when it works in a later one in this episode um but in this one also if you throw this movie on and I am very grateful we do have, you know, beautiful versions of these, at least, because that helps. Um, But when you start this movie, you're going to hit play and go, wow, these guys are idiots. This is sick because the opening is awesome. It's awesome. And it's one of those, as often with Franco movies, where there's not even any um, black before the film starts. Yeah. (laughs) It's just an image. And the image is so strong. I took a picture and texted to John. But it's just an image of this really interesting mask uh in the foreground and then in the background no surprise boobies um and then you hear some great great interesting drum music and you watch a pretty cool performance and so you think it's going to be awesome like that it's not um unfortunately the pacing is pretty much non-existent here um for me the things that keep keep it interesting and worthwhile at least to watch for franco heads is um, Pamela Stamford, uh, who's playing the sister, and then Corrine Gambier, especially, who plays Millie. She's a powerhouse. She's awesome. I mean, she's the reason you are going to stay... Well, you're not going to turn this off, is because her performance is is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. And there's a... um, During a flashback sequence um, that, you know, surprise, surprise, in Franco land is showing us how Millie's been abused by her sister and everyone in her life all the time. And, uh, and the, the hot nights of Linda, little hot yeah. nights of Linda. Yeah. Live, yeah. A little like that. And the scene's not that great necessarily, but the editing in it is very interesting and cool. And you can tell that those were the little moments where Dietrich was like, all right, you can have fun with this and you can have fun with the, like whether it's zombies or not, but the weird like hallucination dream sequences. But it's one of those, like we've talked about that feels more like a Dietrich movie than it does a Franco one. Um, which is always a bummer because Dietrich was a very straightforward filmmaker. This is also like this theme that runs throughout Franco of why, well, I'm more dismissive of these movies is because I do know, well, it's good cop, bad cop. That's what we're playing here because a lot of these movies, I mean, Franco's very original in that way in that he's someone who seems to almost film out sketches for some of his better movies ahead of time. Whereas most filmmakers would never shoot those movies. They might write them down. They might do it. He puts into practice. this. Maybe the reason he's doing it is because he's working off an extremely large debt. And there's it could be that. It's but I think I think a lot of the magic too is like the fact that Franco obviously basically never had a completed script, right? You know, it's just a couple pages, scrawled notes usually. Obviously, he does not believe in storyboards. Part of why he's so magic, I think, and when it clicks, it clicks so hard because of 
he says, I'm going to make five movies to get to this other movie that's already in my head. So instead of, you know, sitting in a, on Bergman Island, <laughs> fucking writing or whatever forever, he's like, no, I'm just going to keep making movies till I figure it out. So, <laughs> so sometimes they're not great, but you know, like we said, there's plenty in this one, I think to, to keep you going at least. And it is, and it does help that it's a lovely restoration, you know, but yeah, it's that same fucking room. <laughs> So. Right. And and probably once we get to the end of this, we'll we'll draw up something online or we'll do an episode that sort of like at least I will, in my opinion, trim the fat of his filmography if you wanted to go, if you wanted to see it as flawless. But Ooh. you can take that turn. But then, you know, even though I do get frustrated with a lot of these movies, they're usually well, maybe except one today. They're not without their charms. And if you like Franco and you are so indebted to the filmmaker like we are, they they're interesting. And like you could take the streamlined essential journey that will come at the end of this. And then you can, you know, probably just come back to the ones that, you know, weren't there. Yeah. Ones that when John are- unveils that you can hear me being sad and saying, but what about, but what about, but what about every two seconds? So look forward to that. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'll just come up with a way to mute Will. <laughs> so, anyway, so that's so, sexy. On to the next. Yeah. We're still in Dietrich land, and we're back oh, no. for um, in the uh, women in prison sort of land of things. Sort of. For uh, you want to list some of the alternate titles of this one? I think it's got a couple. You know, I love to do that. I know. I don't want to ruin it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's see here. So the movie we're talking about is 1977 Love Camp. And uh, some of the movie titles are, (laughs) um, well, there's Women in a Love Camp, which was the German-speaking title, their theatrical title. Uh, The UK theatrical title, title was Sex in a Woman's Love Camp. Women in the Love Concentration Camp. (laughs) <laughs> which is good i like that one yeah. and uh violation behind bars the insatiable this one's good too sex barracks yeah i like that one a lot and then one just called camp <laughs> oh, I like so, that. you know it's always very confusing when it comes to these things but you want love camp if you want this at all uh, yeah, yeah. So this is about a uh, group of um, women who get kidnapped by some uh, gorillas, and I don't mean critters, I mean military gorillas. Uh, well, I guess n- the opposite of military, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> some of the so, characters in these movies might refer to gorillas, not necessarily towards the animals, maybe to... Yes. Well, we'll, we'll <laughs> to talk about that today, unfortunately. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so there's a group of uh, gorillas, like in a jungle, essentially, who are, you know, fighting the powers that be. Don't worry, there's zero opportunity taken. Even though Jesta sometimes sneak it in, this is not one where there's anything said about anything, really, as far as um, <laughs> as far as uh, military and government coups and shit like that. You, this, it's all there, yeah. but it's just not... Yeah, it just happens because you can't put these things on screen without your brain, like, you know, assigning some sort of meaning, but... 
There was certainly no effort to make a statement with this movie, in my opinion, as far as that stuff. Well, and usually the best movies that deal with political things are not the ones that have to make statements. You know what I mean? It's the ones that show it through action. Usually the dialogue we're talking about, certain political filmmakers like Ford or Eastwood, where action contradicts the the dialogue and vice versa. This is not that. I I don't (laughs) think that goodwill towards Franco trying to be smart with his politics. If anything, he just doesn't like anyone in politics, which is probably the right approach. Yeah, but, agreed. Um, agreed, buddy. Um, but yeah, like, these ladies are basically live-in prostitutes for this uh, group of like gorillas. Um, and, you know, classic, some classic women in prison stuff. Um, not a lot here for me. This one's fine. Again, it's really, it's nice that it's so cleaned up and we get to look, you know, because again, Dietrich movies always look good at least. Uh, and his film stock was cost more than Franco's did when he got it himself. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So let's move now, on. Yeah. Now we're going to get into something yummy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Lots of good titles for this one too. Um. Yes. This is one that all right, well, well, we'll get into it. This is my second time seeing it. I might have had a change of opinion on this movie. So um, this is Voodoo Passion from 1977, otherwise known as Call of the Blonde Goddess, as it was known. And it's Swedish uh, or German theatrical premiere. Uh, went on to be called stuff like The Goddess of Porn. <laughs> uh, porno Deep Throat. Oh, the porno version of Deep Throat. Yeah. I'm glad that's in there. I would have thought it was just Deep Throat. <laughs> um, we have the Finnish title called Wet Dreams. That one uh, works, actually. That's fine. That's better for this movie, honestly. Um, Vengeance of the Nude Goddess. That was the shooting title. That's pretty good. I like that. That one's pretty good. Let's see what else we got. We have Witchcraft and Voodoo Pleasures. <laughs> and uh and this one's good the hand of the naked goddess cool yeah that hand. yes i will i will yeah that hand can find its way towards me but um yeah no this is another uh another dietrich production that actually gets to leave its confined trappings a little bit yep mostly Mostly, For the most part, we are outside of your favorite room. Um, and the first thing that when I because I, I really, I really have a quite an affinity for this movie, so I was excited to revisit, see how I felt now. Um, I'm not as excited as I used to be, but I still oh. have a lot of love for it. Um, exactly how I felt. I can't, I went in being like, hell yeah, this is like the precursor to Makumba Sexual, which it is, but it's like. Yeah. And it's still like, we'll, we'll get into it. It's still, it's still, I think, very worthwhile and a good one. I would definitely put it in a good, a fucking good ass Jess Franco territory. Um, but the for thing when it started that I was. Deal oh, with, well, I'm just going to say, for what he had to deal with with Dietrich, it's yeah. when movies like this get made in that time. It's amazing. You, it's, it is. I mean, you have, because he was not allowed to touch the camera. Really, he was on a very tight leash because and he couldn't really fight it because he was it's not confirmed, but we can deduce that he was working off a pretty serious debt. Definitely Indeed. was. Yeah. Okay. He yeah, was right. like, it's like, it, it's like, everything. You know, yeah, Frank but it's definitely like yeah. fucking indentured servitude style because Dietrich yeah. was like, I will save your ass 
and now I own you until we get back up to that number. <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, it is. Which it must have been huge, right? Because they did what? Is it 13 movies? Whatever. It doesn't matter. But they yeah. did a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. So it must so have then, been a big number. Yeah. So this one is really just about a, a woman with her husband traveling to Haiti. She uh, comes into contact with uh, the nymphomaniac sister of the husband. Basically finds herself caught up in voodoo ceremonies of a strangely unethical nature. <laughs> I gotta say, I had some of the some of this definitely left me with a more distaste in my mouth, and not in yeah. that creamy way. More in this like ham-fisted dumb guy attitude towards the the natives yeah uh, which is a bummer because we jess has honestly much more than his contemporaries many times throughout his career done interesting and worthwhile stuff when it comes to race when it comes to different locations around the world and you know different kinds of societies and all that um we had this one that's the thing that really holds it down i think uh is it's a bummer how the uh the natives the black people in this movie are treated um and now there's not some awesome scenes and moments because there are but it's disappointing to see such a uh slapdash you know yeah we're here let's just shoot it get those people in there it'll look good you know yeah 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 and and they for for them being a part of it so much you would kind of think that they would have something to do more with the plot and uh yeah. they don't and it, it feels kind of a missed opportunity not because of like re- necessarily representation but in this it's like it would have helped because well, there's especially a gigantic part of the story so yeah. Yeah. you know well, especially but, because like some of the stuff that franco clearly did get to do here that dietrich let him do um is one there is some soft focus shots where clearly just got his hands back on the camera uh yeah. because ain't no dietrich shot ain't no uh baumgartner shot uh with baumgartner doesn't shoot this one yeah that's what i'm saying yeah which is yep. weird it's like he does like the music or something it's like yeah what kind it's of weird. weird shuffling of chairs was going on <laughs> but yep yeah and at this point i think he's really taking a lot of these plots and making <laughs> amalgams of different things out of them like yeah this does have this like voodoo thing but it's really kind of one of those subplots we just talked about with like sexy sisters where it's like people conspiring to like kill the wife and drive her mad and stuff like that and so it's there's a there was definitely an opportunity in there it seems like that this guy could have made his own uh i walked with a zombie but it's it's not that movie. It yeah, just I do like uh Liz Purchell called this movie I slept with a zombie. <laughs> that almost uh, makes it sound like it's gonna truly be have some meat on its bones, but it, it doesn't. You you are I think there's I think I would say there's a little meat. No, there's a meat. Little. There's definitely meat. I'm not saying it's a bone you know, a meatless bone, but it's uh But it's definitely like when the uh hyenas have to wait until the lions finish what they want of the carcass yeah and then they're like fuck yeah there's still some left let's go 
But, you know, obviously they wish it was just the full zebra. That's what we wish here as well. As yeah. Full zebra. No one wants to be those hissing little gay hyenas. You want to be <laughs> a big old tough lion eating your meal. So, yeah, tough fucking lazy lion. <laughs> yeah. So that's now what you'll get with this one, unfortunately. Yep. But you do get, uh, again, Corrine Gambier, who plays the nymphomaniac sister, Olga. And again, it's fucking amazing. Also, another crazy name. nymphomaniac performance. Yeah, she's so good at it. Yeah, oh, does, that bathroom. That bathroom's going to make a couple appearances. Oh, well, and he does. There is a scene uh, in the bathroom with all the mirrors that y'all have seen before at this point. But again, I think Jess got to play um, because the camera doesn't stop moving while they're in there. But what he's doing is just finding the asses in every different angle of the mirrors. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. No, it's you love when a guy does knows how to do a cool mirror shot. <laughs> oh, it's amazing that we don't see the camera, um, which makes me think because it was I did write down it was Andreas Demmer, who's the DP for this one. But it makes me think maybe Dietrich was like, I can't be on set to make sure Jess is in control. And my normal guy, Baumgartner's busy. But he was like, OK, I'm going to send you. Do not let him touch the camera. And the guy like did his best. <laughs> and Jess was just like, come on, come on. I do wonder how they might have gotten away with those shots, considering how threadbare these productions were. Like either they were reflecting through another mirror the whole scene. Yeah, I don't know. It's or really they were behind a, a one-way mirror. But he does, especially in the ass one, he goes around the bathtub. Like the right. camera goes around. So I honestly have no clue. <laughs> I learned this in film school once, and I should probably remember again as I begin to start production on my own thing. So I should. <laughs> well, you tell me if you figure it out. Okay. Um, but yeah, and then in the in the third act of this movie, we do get another of Jess, Jess's favorite retread things which is a little little dash of diabolical dr zed yeah i still really dig this movie as you as you heard we both softened a little on our past enthusiasm and wish some things would be different but this is still a cool ass movie and i think works for you know people who aren't as obsessed as we are so you can you can get into this one you don't have to you don't have to wait too long. It'd be all right. There's enough for you to be curious about. Yeah, there's there's some scraps left on the bone. So now let's get on to maybe my favorite of these Erwin C. Dietrich movies. Fair Which, fucking, I would say. Okay. This is a movie that really can throw you off. Now the movie is called Wicked Women also known as Women Without Innocence. Mm -hmm. This one's good. Insatiable Nights of a Nymphomaniac. Yes. That one's good. Except that's not really gets to the point of the movie here. But this is uh, what appears on paper a just one of the many uh, women in prison Dietrich films yeah. that he did with Franco. And <laughs> that notion quickly becomes dispelled from the opening of this movie which is it's almost like the end of something like sergio martino's torso starting at the beginning of the movie yeah yeah that's true and uh you're you're almost like 
because you're watching it. I'd never seen it. So I was watching it and I'm like, I was excited for you to get to this one because I thought I didn't say a thing leading up because I knew understandably you were assuming it was just a standard whip movie. <laughs> well, it's 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 wild because I'd seen all the other ones around it. Yep. Not this one. Maybe I just assumed it was like the t- another title for women in cell block nine, but yep. no, this is a its own movie. And yes, that opening with Lena in a house with a bunch of murdered people. And we don't know how they're dead. We don't know if Lena killed them, if someone else killed them, but Lena is like found hiding, terrified and is essentially mute for most of the movie and gets sent to, what you which in one scene makes it seems like it's a prison but then you realize it's not really it's more of a psychiatric ward but there's those shots that look like they might have been taken from something like i don't know like ilsa or something where they're all sitting on those cots and then you're like all right we're back to fucking women another women in prison movie let's see what kind of torture they'll be subjected to but that's not it Mm-mm. And this movie quickly uh, goes to a very different place. And this is what I was saying earlier. This is a, this is kind of an unexpected Jalo film. Yeah. And I would say, I don't know if you agree, but in my opinion, what we've talked about thus far, definitely the most successful and fucking coolest Giallo thing that Jess has personally attempted. Yeah. Yeah, definitely at this point, because the misdirection, you're watching this and when it becomes the movie that you didn't think it was going to be, the movie really takes off. And to me, the most like hands down jaw dropping scene of this movie is the scene with Lena where she is wandering around outside. She just takes a little journey into the bushes, into the trees, finds a little stairwell that's somehow hidden in this forest. She takes that down to a building that we, we never return to, mm-hmm. which I kind of like, cause I was expecting there to be sort of an explanation for what this was. Maybe there's not, it is like a complete journey into the mind sort of moment. And she stunning. just, it's stunning. Oh, it is so stunning. This is one of the best things he's ever shot in my opinion. Yeah. And even though Lena is um, always fucking stellar, um, this is one of her greatest performances, I think. She's good in it. And yeah, when they get to this like place uh, and this other nurse follows her, yeah, it, it really takes on some of the more dreamier, headier elements of um, Euro horror Jalo stuff like this. And, and then the movie does that. And it's also kind of like... Uh, little shutter island sort of shit going on like it's it's a movie that's constantly like almost becoming something else with every 20 minutes or 15 minutes and then and but i would say overall what this movie is would definitely be a giallo i would say firmly put it It in there that which is also why it's the most successful one because up to this point jess has yet to stick to it um throughout the runtime uh in my opinion and this one really does even though it changes form a million times in between but all of it works somehow it's kind of crazy this movie works 
Yeah, and that Giallo, what he has not nailed with that Giallo is the thing that everyone chases with Giallo where they always falsely title things that or try to give those movies more than they really are because people are always chasing those dreamier, Fulci, Argento, Maritino-esque moments of Giallo and they expect it all to be like that. Lindsay does it sometimes too, but... Um, this that scene we're talking about is where you feel him fully embrace those movies because that's the kind of scene you want to see out of all every one of those types of movies. Yep. Yep. So it's pretty and uh, so much, so much. Like there, we could, I feel like we could actually talk on this one a long time. Um well we don't we, want to reveal too much, but no, no, no. No, this shit is cool. And Monica Swins character is really amazing the journey she goes on this i would say too um as always she doesn't waste a role just being like you know just someone punishing someone or whatever she's amazing this movie fucking rules <laughs> it's good also on uh, in behind the scenes at this point this is right around the time just prior to this lena romay star of this movie received her divorce papers from ramon ardeed oh. Some people like to speculate that the, uh, well, one person, Stephen Thrower, likes to speculate <laughs> uh, the 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 fidel the infidelity on display in this movie being sort of a autobiographical touch for uh, Jess and Lena. Ah, uh, I don't see it personally. I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see it either. Usually we do. Like normally, I completely agree with that because he's very. You know, they're not. They're not shy about their stuff and they love self-reflexive characters and shit, but I don't, I don't think so with this one. Yeah. I'm not seeing it, but I like, I love when Steven really cooks. Oh. So also like fair enough. Cause you know, as just we're, we're living in this world truly compared to what thrower had to do to write those books. Of <laughs> course, his brain sees things like that in every frame of every movie. Fair fucking enough. Yeah, no one's gonna we're not <laughs> blaming him for that. It's just, you know, we're like the uh we're like the editor coming in, double checking his work. Yeah. You know, smart guys like us compared to a real dullard like Stephen Thrower. Yeah, who definitely had no career before loving Just wow. Franco so much, has no knowledge of music, and definitely not of film. So just an unintelligent man compared to us who clearly he needs us to help. Yeah. Obviously, we're joking. Stephen Thrower rocks. <laughs> oh, also, truly, just because it'll be fun. If anyone is listening to this and has been listening to this, you've heard us say his name a lot. If you don't know what he did before he became the you know go-to voice for Franco and Fulci and lots of other people, um, just look it up because you're going to be surprised which band that you definitely love that he was a part of. It's a fun surprise. <laughs> There you go. Oh, there you go. Mm. Yeah. No, it's because it happens all the time where people I didn't realize when I started reading his shit, I never made the connection. So it's a fun surprise. Yeah. No, he's he's a smart guy. <laughs> he's intelligent. All right. All right. And all right. now we come to um, absolutely my favorite women in prison movie of the Dietrich cycle shocking <laughs> well because the last one's not if the last one counted as women in prison it does not because it is a 
uh, women in an insane asylum giallo. So it doesn't count. No, it doesn't count. You're right. I guess of the ones we're talking about today, I would prefer this one too. <laughs> also the last, finally, for his Detroit period. So, <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's a great way to end and it makes sense. So anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, here I can just come back and do that. Okay, here we go. So this movie, most uh, famously known as um, "Women in Cell Block 9, some of the other titles that are <laughs> some good, "Tropical Inferno." Um, let's see, uh, "Women from Jail Department Number Nine," "Escape from Death Island." Um, like yeah, that's pretty much it. The titles are kind of not that exciting on this one. I guess Camp of the White Slaves is pretty good, and that makes sense. That one's good. Um, for this one. But yeah, if you are looking it up, it is going to be under Women in Cell Block 9 or the uh, German title Frauen für Zellen Block 9. I'm, I'm proud of that. I've been practicing my German voice. Frauen für Zellen Block 9? <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, so this movie is about um, this time, instead of a group of male guerrillas or freedom fighters, if you will, um, kidnapping a group of women. This is a group of freedom fighters who get kidnapped by a woman who is a prison warden named Loba, which is an awesome name for an evil prison warden. Um, and uh, yeah, so they bring, there were... Again, this, you know, doesn't actually have a lot to say, but I do love it. It's set somewhere in <laughs> South America. Um, Thank you for at least admitting it has very little to say. But that's no, not the point I just, of the movie. I, I just yeah. think, yeah, I think uh, uh, gutturally, I guess, this movie has a lot to offer. I think if you keep it out of your skull, this one this one has much to offer if you like Jess Franco movies. Well, um, but yeah, so these... Oh, you, got Howard, you got Howard Vernon back, yeah. so that's enough. And not just, not just back. He's back. This is, you know, we've talked about it before. We love when Howard Vernon is in the mode where he's like a, a weird, sniveling nerd, excited about torture. This is the <laughs> most extreme version of that to this point, and you can tell, like, one, how happy he is to be back. It's him and Jess love each other. Um, but uh, yeah, so he plays Loba's assistant, basically named Milton, and <laughs> his job is because um, basically the way. Sorry, backtracking a little. The, the I will be quick. Particular prison functions is it's designed to pick up uh, these guerrillas or freedom fighters and force them to confess, and then they tell you know their bosses so they can assassinate those people or whatever. Um, so this prison is designed only to torture prisoners into talking and giving people up. And so Milton, played by Howard Vernon, his job <laughs> is to brainstorm and come up with new torture devices and new torture things. And evidenced in the movie when Loba even tries to involve him in like the bureaucratic side of stuff or the meetings or anything. He's not interested. He just loves to torture. <laughs> he really couldn't give a shit. He just wants to like <laughs> dump salt in fucking. Oh, that's so mean! It's such an amazing character moment. Well, that's a real scene from uh, from um, Desad. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm forgetting which one it is. 
it might be philosophies in the bedroom but yeah that's a thing where someone yeah a person dying of thirst they're like here you can have it oh but let me dump a thing of salt into it well and just to put it in a context here real quick that sequence a um one of the prisoners is forced to go down on uh the warden go down on loba and uh after she finishes she basically you know i guess as a reward is like you can drink this glass of champagne and howard vernon's character is like wait, wait, wait and dumps a bunch of salt in there first <laughs> but first yeah real, real asshole in this it's one so, and it's that's so, how we... so cruel um so... but i think the reason this movie is worth talking about and is worth watching is how peculiar its tone is um because as opposed to what we you are pretty familiar with this at this point um in his career is normally there are torture sequences right but there's some music or you know there's something else going on this is a almost deadly silent movie throughout most of its runtime and so you're watching this really intense torture stuff and there's not even as much screaming as usual either so there's a lot of like uncomfortable just people in pain <laughs> while you sit in silence um but yeah none of like the fanfare um and it <laughs> god damn it. there's a, the, there's also one of the weirdest music choices ever during a sex scene someone's just scatting like it's do you remember they're all running together this is not the one where we see all the women captured and tramps through the jungle for like five minutes that's the ending of this one. Yeah, because I remember there's one. God, they really are running That's together. The, 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 the ending of this one is bad. Um, it does suck the last like 15 minutes. But up to that point, before these ladies make an escape, um, I think it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, we don't know Lobo the Wardeness's name. She's completely uncredited. Yeah. And we still crazy. don't know to this day who that actress is. Yep. A lot of people have tried to find out. I, 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 I mean, she has a very specific face. You'd think it'd be easy to tell, but for whatever reason, considering all the research certain scholars have done to uncover these, that one remains a gigantic mystery who this actress is. So that's interesting. But hey, Susan Hemingway is back. I mean, right. damn, if you're not loving her at this point, like she's so good. She's perfect for these movies. I mean, she yep. really, uh, you can tell this is the actress he wanted from the beginning for the original Justine. This is exactly in his Crazy, mind. too, because they also look so much alike to a really weird degree. Yeah, there's a there's a winkiness and, like, a, a theatricality to the actress from Justine, whereas, like, Susan Hemingway just looks like a true babe in the woods plucked out of the womb of innocence and just thrown into this horrible world where she oh, is she loves it. And she clearly likes it. She does. She, she it. according to her, she's loved working with Jen. Oh, yeah. He was one of the greatest people ever. Okay. Um, not true for the person who played the role of Barbara in this movie, Esther Studer, who yes. apparently uh, this is the one who's, it gets the salt dumped in the thing, right? Yeah. So she, uh, she basically went to uh, Basel and tried to get the courts to stop the distribution of these movies, mm-hmm. which obviously didn't work. But she, uh, I guess, had grown tired of uh, all the nudity in it. But it's like, well, what did you 
I mean, I don't know what else you signed up for. I mean, like, yeah, like he's not. The one thing Jess is not is uh, like a shyster on that level, like tricking people to be into his movies and not telling them what it's like. Well, the actress, I'm forgetting her name. The actress from uh, Other Side of the Mirror apparently didn't like the obscene mirror and the nudity put into that. So oh, she yeah, yeah. got to yeah. never work with him again. But That's again, true. this doesn't happen with a lot of people. Um, no. That's why it's normally like the crew, you know, because everyone's on board. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. We'll get to Bridget in a little bit and her issues with Jess. Oh. But- not yet. We've got uh, a big thing to talk about. Um, and yeah. maybe something that helps explain how bleak women in Cell Block 9 actually feels. Because I don't know if we're getting it across enough. Um, it really it really becomes an interesting, like, almost art house movie, excluding the ending. Um, because it's just so quiet and drilling in on... Um, just really a lot of really long extended, but not salacious in the way you'd expect torture scenes. So it puts you in a really weird headspace and it's pretty heavy. Um, and yeah, there might've been a, might've been a reason because Jess was about to change the game again. Yeah. So Jess, I think at this time has now essentially been released from his indentured servitude with, Erwin C. Dietrich, and he has now found his way back to Compétois Francaise du Film Production. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's back he, with Robert Donnell. Yes. Um, and supposedly, shot. supposedly it was his choice to leave Dietrich, and what he says, again, who knows, Jess is a um, documented liar at this point, but what he says basically is that uh, Dietrich was down to keep making movies, but with the changing film market wanted to slow down and make like a couple movies a year. And so Jess said, well, I've finished up my debt. I'm done. I'm going to get out of here. Who knows if that's true? We were, we will never know if that's true. Cause also Dietrich, I think is a liar too. Cause we do have interviews with him about this stuff, but he really couldn't sound more like a politician. Like if you ever listen to them, you can tell how good he is at uh, speaking about his things yeah i think jess had just gotten through what he needed to do his debt was paid he was sick of these uh restraints he was sick of not being able to touch the camera because he's gonna start touching that camera again oh boy is he gonna start touching that camera and maybe we'll end this episode on the greatest touching of his camera ever but um but for right now he might be uh well let's just say he could be in a bit of a transitional period so um, back with robert Donnell, the buddy who's i was in previous episodes i was saying nezzle because i don't know how to say friendship correctly and then i listened to steven thrower talk about him today and he says no so that's what we're going to say okay. so robert Donnell, who jess had worked with um jess comes back to him and is like yo are you down and he's like yeah but everything's falling apart so there's a lot less money <laughs> So uh, Donnell had done, he'd produced a lot of the best Franco films in the 70s, Erotic Rides of Frankenstein, Sinner, Diary of a Nymphomaniac, uh, How to Seduce a Virgin, Countess Perverse. So, you know, Jess was like, oh boy, like I'd love to work with you again and do another Desaad adaptation. We're really going to drill in on this one. We're going to get the character of Martine de Brassac in there. 
oh boy, I'm going to do it. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm about to do it. Maybe I'm about to do something else. This movie is called Cocktail Special. Oh boy, we'll tell you what makes this cocktail so special eventually here. <laughs> but um, maybe the, some of these alternate titles will help you. Um, Wet Lips. I like that. Um, little play on Red Lips. Oh boy, the shooting title. You're going to hear this title come across a few times, especially in song titles. The Taste of Sperm. <laughs> Which I have to sing it, and I'll sing the other song too. But Daniel White and Jess Franco wrote a song together that goes, Taste, 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 taste of your sperm. And it plays a lot. <laughs> it's awesome. It is the embodiment of Euro trash <laughs> dummies coming up with a song. Oh my God. It's I love it so much. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's fun because that you clearly these guys are having a blast making this dumb song called The Taste of Sperm. Anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the movie opens with a song called Copulation, also by Daniel White and Franco that just goes. this is the beginning of one of the more frustrating films in his uh filmography for me and i'll explain why will probably have some very flimsy uh defense of the movie but until then i'm gonna tell you the real deal this is a movie that is frustrating not only in its lack of commitment its lack of execution its complete lack of pacing but also that it literally tries to be the most accurate adaptation up until this point of him doing Desaad. And other than some nasty things like the creation of this cocktail. And it's, it's a Eugenie to be specific. Yeah, Eugenie, which is, should get you very excited, but I'm just here to damper those expectations because this, uh, this cocktail is not so special. It's just a piss and sperm filled cocktail. Not true. It's and a good liquor combination first. Then it has to be fresh piss from a lady directly peed into it. And then fresh sperm from boy directly into it on top. Then it's the cocktail special. Are you really into this now? I, I would not drink like that. Great, but I, doesn't this sound like a really fun movie to watch? You know? <laughs> Yeah, it's just other. It's, it's fir- we finally get fucking waterworks in a Jess movie. Finally, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not like even the the nasty stuff is it's there. It's just this movie feels so tossed off and so lazy. You would expect it to be one of his Detroit productions. It isn't. It is uh, him trying to get his freedom back. And I would just like to think that this is a transitional period. Maybe he had some debts that he had to pay off also. So he's like, I'm just going to deliver the most porno version of this in that there's almost none of my personality in it. Any porno director could have made this. No wrong. The sex looks so uninteresting through the whole movie. Yes. Right. So boring and not in a way to be like, wow, isn't this world just all this excess, you know, finally like making your stomach full with all this and that'll come later. That is no pun intended, not coming in this movie. It is just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, this might be the thing we disagree on the most. I, I, this is one of the most disappointing for me just cause yeah, there's so much that it should be that is perfect in the Franco zone. And it just, it doesn't, 
go there. He seems to have a total lack of commitment to it or like he was maybe had his mind on other things at the time. I don't agree. This is the, yeah, this is where I'll fight you and throw the most. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read, um, I haven't read Thrower's review on it yet, but I just he, he agrees with you. Um good cuz we're correct. No, I don't look. What I think is if hopefully pulse is working on it since they did another one of the movies of these three we're going to talk about um hopefully pulse is working on restoring this um because i do think if you actually got to see this restored you would realize how beautiful a lot of the shots actually are and a lot of the lighting also is actually really interesting and the soft focus would be a lot more clear the lighting and soft focus would come through clear let me let me finish let me finish I'm not trying to convince anyone listening or John here that this is fucking, you know, a goddamn masterpiece uh, at all. I think as far as look, I have seen I porn is porn is a lot like anime where oftentimes you watch 100 just terrible, terrible, impossible to get through movies before you find a good one. And this, to me, falls into the category of one of those where you're like, oh, thank God, there's something to it, at least. There's personality. There's something going on. It's shot well. It's shot interestingly. Um, I actually like porn with uninteresting sex. I also like porn with interesting sex, too. You know, like, sometimes that's great. But I kind of like the, I like the, like, you know, placid dick, kind of sad, weird room thing that's going on here. Um I just don't think that, a little bit of story that we get. I just don't think that's intentional. I think there was probably a lot of uh, cocaine going around during. Well, I mean, it has to, it has to be intentional because they would have just waited till they started shooting. They, at some point, they had to say, "Well, I guess that's what we're working with." So yeah, when they realized that they'd given out too much yayo to everyone, and they were like, "Well, this isn't going to happen." Let's, you know, I like to shoot things in under four days, so let's just uh, yeah. let's knock this bad boy out. Well, look, it just, you know, it feels like a hangover is what it does. It feels like I I agree. But but this vibe doesn't feel intentional. That vibe will find intention very soon. That's why this vibe is intentional, because we're going because if you follow it, well, if it's intentionally poorly executes it, I'll say if you follow how sad and oddly heavy women in cell block nine is you go straight in not long to cocktail special where he's, I think Jess is just brutally fucking depressed, but Robert Donnell was like, you have to make it at least kind of funny or interesting or something if you want to do this. So Jess tries to put those jokes in, but he can't care because there's nothing funny to him in the world right now. He's just sad. So he gets yayoed up with his buddies and they are talking about Eugenie again. And he's like, cool, that's it. Let's do it. You know, um, I think I don't know. I think it's and with the masks at the end, that shit is awesome. That is some of my favorite, honestly, one of my favorite orgy sequences, even though it's not good. Again, the sex isn't good, um, but it's cool. It's cool to look at. I dig it. I okay. dig it. I dig this movie. And well, I also dig the fact that this one and the next two he made in 15 days maximum. So that's pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. And clearly he put all of his attention into one of those movies. Um, I think it just coalesced. I think he had to do these steps, which is also why I like. It's pop. I mean, 
That's probably true. As we've said, he likes to do things as yeah, he's working he's working his shit out to build up to um, you know, the one that we've been talking about since we started, because I was so excited for you to watch. Um well we're not we got there. one more in between. And this is one you hadn't seen. So yeah. um, this is truly yeah, and I have to I gotta read the alternate titles for this one. Oh Ooh, please, yeah. So this movie is called Elephant. The translates to they do everything. Uh, let's see if I'll read the other titles. Let's see if you can guess what kind of a movie this is for Jess Franco. Uh, the Italian title is called that certain flavor. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> the German title, do it again, baby. Okay. The French title blowjob hotel. <laughs> Are you getting an idea of what this might be? <laughs> Uh, that's the most accurate one so far and my favorite um the alternate shooting title nini the spanker yep and that's in reference to nini the fessy yes character's name which i love yes yes lena is back and uh lena's not back oh well she's Lena's left the building that's right Uh, who's who's back now will I someone it looks, it looks like be, Lena. Yeah, it must be like, like her. a sister or something, because it she looks just like Lena Romay, except with an ill-fitting, not attached blonde wig on, and goes by the name of uh <laughs> eventually Candy, but Candace. Candace Coster, aka Candy Coster, makes her appearance very directly in the opening very directly movie. Um yeah, because we're also in a period where they do that weird thing where the movie talks to you first, um, telling you the name and the cast and then the visa number. <laughs> yeah, I think this is getting closer to uh, Franco trying to take a little from his, uh, well, someone he, I think, probably looked up to quite a lot, Jean-Luc Godard. Oh, and yeah. I, I think given this is the time Godard was finally coming out of his Ziga Vertov period. Yeah. He was uh, doing stuff with his wife more, much like Jess and Lena. So, you know, I think that that is kind of working its way here through here. But, it, you know, it's definitely the the sillier man's version of that. I think Godard's pr- plenty silly, but, you know, this is uh, I'm not going to try to pretend that this is on the same formal or uh, interesting level as something like detective or something like yeah. that. This is uh, actually a pretty, eh, pretty whatever porno movie that has some interesting scenes. This movie sucks. <laughs> wow. Okay. See, I was leading you to be like, all right, I was really mean about cocktail special, Will. Um, yeah, no, it sucks. It's not this good. Movie, it's not this good. movie sucks. There's some things I like, but it is, it is exhausting in the not fun way. Yeah, I think because the jokes don't land, um, the sex is not good, and this time, in my opinion, not photographed in any of an interesting way. Um, it's exactly what you would expect anyone making a porno at this time, how they would shoot it. That's what this looks like, which is always a heartbreaker when a Franco movie looks like anyone could make it. Um, it's fun that there's bisexual dudes. Uh, there's some there's a couple of really rough race jokes in a row that would work if he was actually, 
making fun of the rich people in this movie, but he's not really, so it just comes it's, off awkward. It's hard to tell. I mean, I I would have to assume. I think he meant to for sure, but yeah, that you can't make this movie and put that in and think it's gonna like land as fucking satire. <laughs> it doesn't land as satire. It lands. It not. It just lands as like, oh, okay. Yeah, it lands pretty hatefully. That's kind of how it feels. So. Yep. Yeah, and the sex is very conservative. Like the idea of this movie and how it plays out and where we go is a really weirdly like conservative Republican ass way to look at sex. And that's also strange and disappointing from Franco. It's also his biggest hit of this yeah. time. Yep. Like this movie played in France and sex cinemas for <laughs> quite a while and this made. Movie- Made a pretty, you know, fair penny for uh, Kean Denessel. So, and that's funny. Also, you know, who wrote this? Robert Denell and uh, our buddy, who we talk about often, Marius Lasur, went and got lunch together. Yeah, right. They cooked it up by themselves, right? Well, yeah. I guess Lasur was like, "What do you want to do next?" And uh, Robert Denell was like, "I have this idea." And then yeah. they figured it out, and then Franco made it. And it's absolutely uh, this, this like, great idea has been kicking around in my head forever. I really need to tell you. Yeah, which is, is called like the English titles. They do everything, but also and, and they, do. they do. They do do, do everything. everything. And I guess like I guess we could say real quick if anyone's curious. Basically, what's happening is Lena plays a porn star who comes to a hotel to heal everybody. To help them be sexual, but her healing involves like making sure gay dudes are not gay anymore <laughs> and they fuck their wives. And it's really weird. This is definitely for completists who want to see the birth of Candy Coster. That's that's it for me. Okay, and that's it for me. So let's move <laughs> on from that stinker to Ooh. oh boy, this is this why is I was excited with us. This is why you stick with us because yeah, we get through three or four, sometimes five stinkers in a row. But that's because he's making like 20 movies a year. So and again, these three 15 days. So yeah. Project special. We do everything. And the next one made him 15 days. And also Jess, unfortunately, says he hates all of these. He's very wrong about the one we're about to talk about. Well, I, I can I bet I know why he doesn't like it. And it's the yeah, only thing made his journal accidentally on the screen. Well, that well, that and also it's like. The ending leaves a lot to be desired, even though there's a funny thing that happened. I agree. I, agree. I, I could see this having a much if he had spent some more time with it, having an ending that kind of delivers the you know towards the power that this movie was building. Because this movie is like five out of five until the the ending does not ruin it for me. Well, we'll we'll, Just, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll, we'll, let's talk through it and then we'll say spoiler so we can talk about the ending. <laughs> okay, so this is uh, called J'ai Brûlé des Patou, uh, otherwise known as such a great title for this movie, I Burn Everywhere. Yeah, uh, known its pre release title was Rape of the Nymphets. So, uh, and also uh, a shooting title was Dossier on Minors. So, you know, those are a little more close to what this movie is. I don't think they have the, the dark poetry of I burn everywhere. So we're very happy. They went with Chez Brule de Parto. Nope. But, uh, but this- also I, I checked with thrower, uh, not personally, obviously today. So I can, so we can get better at pronouncing things. 
<laughs> Turns out in French you say je brûle de partout. Oh, that's why the <laughs> accent's there. Great. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I could Oh that I, that makes sense. I'm just we're we're stupid. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for for the assist. Um je brûle de partout. Um fucking nerd telling us what's wrong. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh yes this is uh one of the best things that i think and i know will i'll let will really cook on this one but um you know this is uh this was a real standout shocker for me you know it, it deals with uh your classic <laughs> innocent gets kidnapped by sex slave traders and traded to a horrific sex club that has you know they they keep all the women gassed with this uh this sex gas that drives them into sexual frenzy that we've been talking about so unnerving this has all those seedier sleazier elements yet it feels like the hangover after dealing with all those elements this is where all these nasty things that we've been building towards if you want to take this episode as an example, what's been, you know, building up since Sexy Sisters finally has probably the most realistic and um, thankfully uh, salvient sort of response to all that. Because this is like just finally probably a little full of his own creations and just had a little too much of all the sex and nudity that could have been going in his life. A lot of horrible things were going on. He had his divorce. His wife was slowly losing her mind. Um, he had all this crippling debt. This is the movie that finally feels like Jess is speaking from his place and his view of the world because it is unforgiving and it is really well made, even though, you could look point to some of it being sort of that boring lackadaisical approach. And if it is, it works for this movie because you feel like these women at the, in the barge of this ship, just being transported unbeknownst to some sort of hellish, you know, sex prison. Ah, yeah. This movie really, really gets under your skin and it, and it feels the most, um modern is the way i would put it there's a modern quality to this movie that i i i think is just uh just stellar so um and i know will you are uh this is maybe your maybe your favorite oh we'll see if it we'll see if it changes but Oh my god! No, I know. I never forget the first time I saw this movie. It fucking destroyed me. It destroyed me, and I was so confounded. I was like, "Is this one of those instances where like the it's a different director?" And like, because at that point, you know, there wasn't we couldn't watch a nice copy or anything, so yeah. it was like a shitty VHS rip. Um, but it didn't matter because uh, nothing can stop this movie. But I think a good way to look at it for people, framing wise, is like Blue Rita is like kind of a you know like lighthearted psychedelic uh you know male torture sex slave kind of thing um this is the inverse of <laughs> in every single way there's nothing lighthearted. um but to me how we get to this point that's so why i mentioned it especially with cocktail special is because i think what happened is 
when Jess chooses to leave Dietrich or was forced or whatever it was, he was stoked and he was like, awesome. I'm fucking free again. I'm going to go back. Cause him and Robert Donnell were like truly good friends, not just people that work together. And he's in my head. He's like, cool. I'm going to go back with Robert Donnell. Lena is officially divorced. I'm officially divorced. We can finally do this thing and stop lying to everybody and be tired. Uh, so I'm going to go back to my buddy and get cooking. And he gets to Donnell and finds out that the money's all gone. And so all that he can do is make straight up porno uh, to guarantee that they make money. And he makes an effort and says, well, can I at least do Eugenie? Can I try that again? And Danelle's like, yes. But then also I was like, well, it has to do this, this, and this. And I think the moment that broke Jess, and I'll spoil it. So don't listen if you don't want to, but the ending of cocktail special culminates in a moment where um, this girl who's been, you know, the Eugenie who's been brought to this world being shown all these things, um, is that they're having a mask party. So they're all wearing masks. And then her father shows up just as an attendee to the party. Um, and she is giving unbeknownst to either of them, giving her father a blowjob. And then they both lift their masks up and realize who it is, but they're like, Oh my God, cool. And just keep going. And I think that broke him. I think that having to do that moment or even just doing it and then realizing after like just how, crass and weird and like uninteresting it is to do that yeah i would agree Um, yeah no so do i i think i think that moment really just sent him over to the edge and like a weird depression and i think that's why uh they do everything is so nothing i think it's so empty i think that's why he added the lena stuff at the top to at least try to add some spice um but anyway so i think that's how we get here and jess all of a sudden is in this point in his life where he's lower than he's ever been mentally. And he's like, well, fuck. Like, do I, am I just some horrible, horrible, weird, shitty dude who's obsessed with all this stuff for all the wrong reasons? And I just help other people who are also shitty <laughs> get their rocks off. Let's instead look what it would be like with zero fun if someone's being sold into sex slavery. And I feel like that's the path. To get to Gibraltar de Partout. And this this film is astonishing because every frame of it, from the opening, you're you may be tricked for a minute when it starts. But even the the fact that we're now shooting 4-3 again, so it's very claustrophobic. Um, we're in a club kind of, but the vibe doesn't feel like anything's supposed to be sexy. Um no. It just feels it just feels really off and Daniel White's score, which is very like free jazz throughout this whole thing, um, also points you in that direction. Um, yeah, I don't know. This I, I, part of me like doesn't want to get into any details because I think it's such a wallop of a movie if you just go up, go on the journey, you know. Um, but I really th- I think this is Jess's like true confessional moment. Truly, truly. And that's why it's so good, because. One, he doesn't have any rules here, right? Because as we know, the other two are going to do well and make money and all that shit. And so Robert Janelle is like, yeah, do what you actually want for the third one. Um, I'm going to hire you this amazing uh, up-and-coming porn star from France named Bridget LaHaye. She's going to be in it. It's going to be sick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Terrifyingly beautiful human being. That was a good lord. 
Yeah, no, she's she's so hot in this movie, yeah. and but it's um, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. It's one of the most visceral films that I know of. You can feel yeah. everything that happens in this so incredibly real, and we can talk about the ending if you want. Um, well, the other thing I wanted to highlight was that Bridget LaHaye's character in this is named Lorna, which is fun. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the ending. Here's a here's a moment. Maybe jump ahead a couple skips. Yeah, don't listen if you haven't seen it, because truly, it's a it's it's important whether you like it or not that you don't okay. see it. Coming. So hit your skip now, because what's going on here is at the end of the movie. The spoiler. It's very much like. Um, Oh fuck! Is it Swedish Nympho slaves where the dad finds out that his daughter was the one kidnapped? It's that big dude. Yeah, God. yeah, yeah. I think that's the one. And it's, uh, he's um Radic. Radic, yes. And he finds out that his daughter was um kidnapped into a, a sex slavery system that he himself. Uh, runs is in the in charge of and the ending is definitely like will said sort of a way to maybe redo the cocktail special ending uh in a better more uh, let's just say dramatic interesting way and it's it involves this guy discovering that susan hemingway is his daughter so he instead of you almost think oh god what the fuck is he gonna do now is he gonna make her is he gonna start riding he would have normally in a jazz movie but no, this time he has a moment of actual humanity and he's like, what the fuck? I've like, let this get to this certain point. I mean, he's a completely evil man, but it's like, you know, it's usually with all these rich conservative pieces of shit that have their hands in all these nasty places until it only affects them. Do they start thinking it's kind of like when John McCain was like, gay people should go to hell. Wait, my daughter's a lesbian. Yeah, they're, they're okay. <laughs> So it's he discovers that his daughter was put into this accidentally kidnapped by Bridget Lehane and her boyfriend. And so he's like, no, we can't have this. I have to basically shut everything down. And he decides to essentially like, let's see, what was yeah, Maria the Madam, who he has a, an affair with. There's also someone um named Flora in this movie we should mention. In Flora. like three movies today, there are Flora. A couple of Floras. But um yeah, he decides to end it all. He burns in a really cheap way to display it. It's clearly like gold um uh, like tinfoil being flashed with a light against a wall. But we're given the idea that like this <laughs> this place is about to be burned. And it's mm -hmm. like, okay, obviously they weren't gonna set this chateau on fire, but well, it was probably that maybe it's the same place that Epstein eventually took over. So they wanted to preserve it because they knew they had a good new owner coming soon. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. Another guy who is the quote unquote owner. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I did air quotes there for, you know, other people. But um, so, yeah. And then the end of the movie. All right. So that's what happens there. If you're still you've thought you've flipped ahead. No, oh, we're spoiling. Yeah, so flip it again. Flip it again. Okay. So the ending, he's in the car. He finally goes away with his daughter. And he's like, you know what? I let this get out of hand. He's not trying to molest her. He's kind of having this whole like moral crisis. And then he's like, I hope you can forget this. And she goes, I hope I can. And in a really, 
<laughs> like all, I don't know if intentionally comic way, the driver of the cab turns around and goes, but I won't forget. Yep. My name is Agent Al Pereira, and right. I have been staking this whole thing out. You haven't, you've only seen me walk around kind of in certain scenes, not say anything. Well, turns out I am, it's me, Al Pereira. I'm not Howard Vernon. I'm not Jess Franco. I'm some other guy, but I'm going to put you in jail because I think that you almost think, oh, wow, is he going to like get him off or something like that? No, he's like, I can't let you be prosecuted here because it's too crooked. I'm taking you somewhere where I don't know, maybe it's crooked, but at least I know you will be punished for your crimes there. And that's the end of the movie. It's so quick. It's so just there. I guess, I don't know. You could probably make an argument why it's good. You could make an argument why it's uh, probably a letdown for such a dramatic thing. I mean, it doesn't ruin the movie for me. It um, it doesn't also end it in a satisfying way. And I, and, uh, I don't mean satisfaction gained from such a horribly dark story. I mean, like, I want that dissatisfaction to hit, but it doesn't, but that's okay. So spoiler over, if you can forgive that ending or maybe you can convince yourself like, Will, that it's great. And I get it. I get it. I get it. You know what I mean? You, I, I think we both agree on I this. Do. Yes. It's kind of like one I of I understand those. why people don't. And I understand why people do. Um, but yeah, this movie just, one of the one of the all time greats. Sorry if it was being vague talking about. It. I just don't want to spoil anything. But visually, storytelling wise, everything you love about Jess, this is one of his strongest. As long as you're not allergic to bummer Jess, if you don't like when Jess is sad, this movie will destroy your life. <laughs> but I will say, if you want to take one shot at bummer Jess, this might be the one to give a shot. Oh, it's the best one. But I would say watch some more Jess movies and then come to it because then it's gonna like just yep. knock you out so yep. highest recommendations all right we're going to move through these next two because they're not going to see our, our highest recommendations oh uh, interesting okay. but they do have some things uh especially the the first one we're going to talk about which uh, is called opalo de fuego but Mer- we're also not talking about that cut we're i know i know but i'm reading off the list here mercados del sexo but we are talking of course about Two female spies with flowered panties. <laughs> yep, which was the second version, but it's the most readily available. Uh, if you have the Severn Blu-ray, unless you got the limited edition one, it only comes with two female spies. So we're going to talk about that. We'll hit up Apollo de Fuego on the Patreon. Yes. Um, this is a mixed bag of a movie. It is just about everything. Well, I mean, it's literally, it's like the kitchen sink of his plots. Grab bag, more than a mixed bag. Okay, well, it's a mixed grab bag of things. <laughs> and it uh, is definitely not without its pleasures. I'm just saying, this is uh, this is one of those movies where I think the Franco dreaminess, reality, haze, is just really better suited for his erotic horror films. I don't <laughs> know how well it works for his crime movies sometimes. Uh, but this is, you almost think it's a red lips movie. Kind of. It is. It's more so in the original cut. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's true. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's got like a weird blend of the, this brutal side of Jess and then this, uh, goofy midnight party side of Jess. So 
I don't know. I mean, I bet Will has something really nice to say about this, though. <laughs> these two these two girls, uh, nightclub dancers, go to prison for doing their nude live sex shows. They get offered by a government agent to get out of prison if they do some spy work for them. That's where we start. I think this movie is elegant as fuck. I really do. I do um, think it's elegant. I will give it that. I think it totally works as long as you don't fight it. And as soon as it starts, don't expect it to be silly. Cause I don't think it is actually silly. I think it's like a weird stripped down art house version of red lips is how I see it. And again, the original cuts different. So I get why Jess was mad. Um, but I think this movie um, similarly to the last red lips one that I got so excited about um I think this is that same sort of uh, sort of a haze that, you know, the astral haze, if you just tap into it, this movie's nuts. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a movie that, like I said, it is kind of a mixed bag in that it has these different contrasting tones. That's why I say that, because it and does it's like moment to moment more than like scene to scene even. And that's, I think, what throws things off for so many people with this movie, which I get. No, I, I could see myself probably watching it again uh, outside of watching so many Jess movies all at once and maybe like appreciating it a little bit more. But but we'll get to that one day. We have a lot to cook on here. And again, I don't dislike the movie. I was just saying oh, yeah. it's a yeah. weird kind of like alienating at times mix of different tones where you're not yes. really sure what you're getting into. And now, we're back with just to this is important. That this is the first movie when Jess and Lena go back to Spain. Yeah, that's right. Make this movie because Robert Donnell died. So yeah. he dies and the whole company folds that Jess just tried to start things back with and made three movies he hates, which is probably why he hates uh, Je Brule de Partout as well. Um, so he's back with Eurocine. Yep. <laughs> he found his way right back to Eurocine. Back to Eurocine. Exactly. Now- Come on in, pal. Water to the next one. Let's do it. We can slam this. We can do it. Oh, well, this one we can get through very easily. Oh, we can do all three. We can do it. Let's go. Well, okay. Well, this one was spend a littlest amount of time on the girls of the Copa Cabana. One of these youth films for Jess that we kind of saw with a 15 year old captain. You could maybe put it in that category closer to something called Lake of the Virgins coming up. Spoiler, that title is not as exciting as it sounds. No. Um, I'd call this closer to also um, We Are 18 Years Old than, yes. I, would, than I would 15-Year-Old Captain. I, I Okay, that's more apt. But, it, you know, dealing with these kind of like off-subject movies for him, where as much I would argue that We Are 18 feels like a Jess movie, this, I guess, kind of does. It, it definitely feels odd for Jess to do this like story of like youth, <laughs> out in the world growing up but then has a lot of the weird sadistic things of jess like that are kind of played for laughs which i don't really think uh is gonna jive with most of our viewers like (laughs) the guy like a bunch of guys threat like jokingly trying to you know gang rape a girl and well you know what it is it's if you are a fan of pedro madovar and you watch kika or you watch, you pick any of the early ones, Dark Habits, um, whatever you want to choose, Peppy Lucy Bomb, and you feel okay with the jokes in those, then you'll be okay with the jokes in these. Because it's a very Spanish thing, very Spanish thing for films to have goofy jokes about rape. 
Now, all this goodwill that he was feeling, <laughs> say, didn't last too long. Well, no, he did what logically comes next, and he's like, wait, it's not the world that's wrong. Turns out I've been the problem the whole time. It might be what he was thinking because uh, – and then he also says, now what if I just uh, shoot like a quarter of a next movie and then what if I just like put it on another movie that I have and just change a few things about it? So this well, was – got the offer, I guess, from what I understand. Yeah. And he was like, we've got some money if you want to revisit this and make another version. <laughs> Which is crazy because it's like – I mean, what – this movie is very interesting. It's not the piece of shit that I kind of considered it to be. Um, it has uh, something that makes it feel like a piece of shit in that it's like 20 minutes of new footage tacked on to something we've already seen. But the recontextualizing of it is interesting. And it's, um, hmm, how do I put this? Surprisingly, like, more sobering. Than you might expect in that he's uh he's definitely taking on the subject of himself i mean the new footage shot at the beginning is pretty astounding and uh you kind of make you kind of wish that he just remade exorcism <laughs> like if he had just done like he always does never has i kind of love it though i like the mismatch hair because jess for whatever reason new jess in the footage Obviously, his hair's changed. He's a little more gray now. It's been, you know, what, seven years, I guess? Six years? Mm -hmm. Whatever. Somewhere in there. Uh, but he has kind of a mullet now. And so that's the funniest thing that separates the footage from the old stuff is he has more of a mullet in the new footage than he did in the old footage. Yeah, it doesn't match very well. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty weird to see him walk into the Eurocine office again. And this time... You know, just by a couple of little snips of dialogue, it's like a different scenario a little bit. Overdubs, change the dialogue. Um, I don't know. I think this is kind of a... Uh, I apologize for using this word, and I know how much you're going to be upset about it, and I get it, but it maybe, again, feels like he's watching those Godard movies you were talking about. And I'm just saying, I'm not saying he's trying to imitate them here. I'm saying he is even more so than usual. Like, I don't, who fucking cares, man? Let's try it. Let's see if it works. Let's do that experiment. Let's do something radical. Like, let's fucking go. You know? I would love to believe that's what he was thinking. I would love to believe this is an experiment with cinema. Oh, I don't think it is at all. I think this is, I fucking hate myself. And here's an offer I got. So let's make a movie where I get to play the character of how I feel about myself. But I think maybe his subconscious, which is a lot smarter <laughs> than his conscious. Yes. Maybe he was thinking about that. That's all. Uh, yeah. Maybe his subconscious was. His regular He's consciousness not. was thinking no. money. Here's a qu quick way to make a buck. Let's Well, just I think first it was self-hate, then money, and then I love Lena. I'm sorry I cut so much of you out of this movie because I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> and also, you know, I think Exorcism was a movie that meant a lot to him. And maybe yes. he didn't get it the way he wanted to do it. But that's where it's like every time that you do these sketches, you just make another movie and it's better. So it's like clearly this was that was not the first thing on his mind. Maybe that was an afterthought, but he wanted to make some money. So 
this is just that's beautiful beautiful the new things like the way this movie opens is like masterpiece theater of how to open your fucking movie it's crazy it's good i mean it really kind of gives a very lonely rainy you know kind of cold feel to the movie that uh, we don't get with uh exorcism and he you know changes things about the black mass in that and you know he kind of just takes what what i don't like about what he does with exorcism is he takes the most interesting thing about exorcism which is the misdirection and the idea of screen violence as a whole this meta idea and just kind of does away with that but whatever you know i it's it's shockingly not as dumb as you would think it'd be the new scene of him stalking susan hemingway is quite good but then it's just the same footage from exorcism and it's just well and then you, you get the and then the peppered in stuff with the priest where he's yeah. confessing and we find out for sure his background i think it's i think if you like exorcism this is going to be amazing because to me it's just another it's like a i think why i love it so much is it feels like when people talk about you know split timelines in reality <laughs> right like you think about the you know if you made a choice and you went a different way or whatever jess is one of the few people who made the movie of an alternate reality version of this and i think it's fucking cool you know like I, I still if i have to choose sure exorcism's always going to win demoniac's always going to lose then probably sexorcism then maybe this i don't know but i think it's fucking cool that he made an alternate universe version <laughs> of this movie it's certainly fascinating for being a fan of him and yeah. like you know the climax of the movie is different it's a little uh quieter it, yeah, it, which i like better i do but, like it does. i do like the ending better yeah i like it it's better it's less uh boilerplate kind of like generic but it's also like this movie does rob the mystery of the original a bit absolutely and that's yep. just a shame because the mystery of the original is what's so like you know deliriously addictive about him but again you know i think the ending makes a lot more sense and um yeah so if you like, I feel like it's one of those it's just like the easiest way to do it truly is just think about it as a different movie entirely if if possible obviously that's hard because the footage is actually in there but i feel like the more you can do that the more sadist has to offer yes and i yeah. think there was some footage that was like not that was shot for exorcism that was not yes. shown for exorcism that's put into this so yeah, it's it's definitely like uh, if you dig exorcism and you'd love to explore that world and this kind of strange thing he does, whether you view it as an experiment or as a quick cash grab or both, it's very interesting. Now, yeah. let's get to the final movie of this episode, which is hands down, I think, one of this might be in my top chesses. Like, oh, right this is. This is currently because I'm, as we've talked about, I'm leaving room for things to change. But mm -hmm. going into before we started recording this, this one was in the top five. Yeah. After I, this viewing, it continues to be. We'll see if anything else along the way surprises us and like move shit around. But um, this, yeah, this viewing bumped it up uh, to number two, actually. And we'll save I, all that till the end. But yeah, I, I, this is just, uh, fascinating 
Um, this is incredible. This is a film that is made in a way that absolutely only Jess Franco can do and has done, in my right. opinion. This no is, one else can do this. Everything that was being t- kind of like clamped down by Dietrich and those Eurocine productions that he was doing up into this point has finally been lifted. And you feel Jess like getting back behind that camera doing that impressionist thing he does with his camera where he just allows whatever's happening to find its way into his lens his framing his zooms and it works quite deliriously instead of it like some of the crime movies where he does this and it's like ooh, this feels a little disjointed he is kicking it up as the as you metal guys like to say he's kicking it to 11 and is that what metal guys say I don't know. People who think <laughs> Spinal Tap is still the funniest movie ever made, and they love to quote it to each other. And I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's a great movie, but it's like keep going. Maybe you could just turn yourself up to eleven, you'd get it. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> like the people that think comedy stops with this is Spinal Tap and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You know, like uh, a certain. Uh, never mind. So yep. um, keep going. We focus. <laughs> someone we know let's talk about things we love (laughs) so Sinfonia Erotica is the movie we're talking about this is Jess and Lena Uh, Lena is Candace Coster again yeah in the credits in the credits this is not Lena Romay anymore oh no no which I also love that's so cute because she also was going through it so she was like I don't know dude like I know we're like on the open now and shit but neither of those that's also not my real name can I change it again since yeah. Lena Romay also isn't my name. <laughs> There's a lot of baggage attached to that. Let's just make a clean slate. Nope. So Lena is now Candy, Candace, and she's playing, playing Martine de Bressac. Oh, where do we remember that name? Well, cocktail special, unfortunately. But also, <laughs> uh, if, you, if you're a big Desaad fan, these are the... This is a scene from Justine. This is not the entirety of Justine, but this is him drilling in on one particular passage from Justine. And uh, it's 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 spellbinding. And and, and uh, Lena plays uh, Martin de Brassac, who kind of like how to seduce a virgin. It's just been released from a mental institution she, that she's been put there by her husband. Unfortunately, this time, her husband's not joining her in his sadistic delights. He now has uh, his his male lover. He's, he's a male Rodrigo, again. A bisexual sadist, which is closer to, to, to Sad. So he uh, he's kind of plotting to get rid of Lena. It's, it's kind of the similar plot of, like, is she going crazy? Is she's not? Susan Hemingway shows up almost like the follow-up to letters of a portuguese nun after she's run she's run away now from the convent and you know unfortunately uh, as always in this sort of movie she's been uh assaulted and is passed out so they they grab her now she's part of the family and she's kind of the justine she's not called that but she's supposed to be the Justine. oh she is because this movie is like I was talking to my friend about it after I watched it again this morning and uh, he had just watched it for the first time and he's a huge Desaad head and he said this is like a battle royale between Justine and Eugenie. (laughs) So this movie feels like. (laughs) Yeah, 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 definitely a little bit because like Eugenie, 
she takes part in the sadistic goings on or does she because this is where the movie becomes very interesting now to get autobiographical jess was dealing with his ex-wife nicole's uh their divorce though apparently they're they were divorced they're full divorce they're full point. divorce but he's dealing with the aftermath of it and also the fact that she was uh succumbing to alzheimer's as we talked about that he had learned about around the time of vampiros lesbos i think at this point it has probably reached a bad a really bad point in probably also part of the theory that even though if you watch this in the credits Nicole Franco is credited for set design and for the next couple of movies we'll talk about next time. She's credited for random roles and uh, I forget who it was, but someone very close to them says that was not the case. It was just, um, you know, everyone figuring things out, feeling weird and sad. So. Yeah, maybe he was doing this to kind of help give her some money because uh, I know she was, I think, institutionalized in France at this point. So, yeah, and, uh, it's so hard to tell for sure on anything, but from what we can gather. Yeah, and I don't know if any of our listeners have held, had to deal with someone uh, succumb to dementia or Alzheimer's, but I can tell you firsthand, it's not fun. And it's very sad. And I think Jess is really putting that into this movie because Lena's character is definitely suffering from some sort of degenerative mental Thing. They say it's syphilis, the, or the, the genital, congenital syphilis, which congenital syphilis, which I think oddly for a Franco movie does track though because congenital syphilis does result in that sort of thing. So it's weird they got the detail right. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, maybe that's what's going. On. It could be the husband just saying something disgusting at that dinner table and claiming that. I don't. I'm based on her reaction. And also, if we're in if we're into Sodland, you know, <laughs> STDs make sense. <laughs> it definitely does, and especially at that time when this takes place yeah. with all the libertinage going on. Her yeah, favorite everyone's her just body, but the it's the congenital, like that's the, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, so, something definitely is going. It could be as the result of probably. I'm going to assume this uh, this character made the Lena character before she got institutionalized, do some things she may not have wanted to do, which could have resulted in getting this. I, I don't know, but either way, the movie plays with the idea that it's possible that what's going on could be the results of her mind breaking down because this is not a spoiler because we're going to avoid that. But quickly, when we see Susan Hemingway and, uh, this evil count and his gay lover find her they're like oh it looks like she's been raped interesting let's take her back and you're like oh they're gonna give her shelter no they decide to essentially re-rape her mm-hmm. and you're like jesus christ fucking hell yeah i guess this is you know desaad and it's horrifying and blah 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 well, actually, that's a bad way to use blah blah blah. And she's being raped, it's horrifying, blah blah blah. <laughs> it's just horrifying quick. and new cut. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bad. It's not good. <laughs> so, but then the next scene is Lena waking up in bed, and out of nowhere, yeah, this AWOL nun is suddenly now one of the servants in the house. And apparently does not recall anything 
that Lena tells her about. And it would also be interesting that Lena would know because we didn't see any shots of Lena looking at this. And then you start to realize, is this a dream that she's imagining? Because as it goes on, it veers closer to that how to seduce a virgin plot. But what remains so fascinating about this movie, and we'll wrap it here, is the use of effects. Like the, I mean, it's, it's really, really stunning what he does in the hallucinatory realm of this movie. Because like he is putting so much reverb on some of the audio in this that it feels like a haunted house cut from a library movie music soundtrack or or it kind of sounds like if we have fans of the band broadcast if you liked their later career with uh, the focus group when they did that uh investigates witch cults album it's kind of like that it's just kind of like experimental cacophony of like haunted sounds and it's shot with these wonderful wellsian angles these beautiful shots of nature the way they make this mansion this rich mansion feel like the most trapped nightmare space ever so like interstitial work is the strongest in his career for my money like the truly like what he chooses to cut to between the set action is fucking nuts and like the combination of i can never you're smarter than me so you probably know but the composer i never know how to say it l-a-s-z-t is it just list how do you say that fucker's name yeah least yeah yeah so the music is a combination of least and franco and uh daniel white with a little bit of synth that they overlay on top of this effect shit they're talking about and then you combine the like camera work there's a there's a scene i won't spoil but there is a just a conversation being had between the marquee and a doctor and they're talking by windows and the the, the scene starts with a terribly extreme close-up on the marquee's greasy ass nasty face and then the camera just goes on this slow pan journey across windows that separate them but it's timed perfectly and it goes on for fucking ever but it's timed perfectly to then hit the doctor at a very crucial moment and it's and it's it's such a it's such a strong whiplash moment to see franco functioning at this level again you know like like jebrule de partout is again still my favorite you know as it stands currently and i think it's a masterpiece but i don't think it's a it's a well planned out planned masterpiece i think he had to excise a demon making that movie and that's why it's so good this one to me feels very much more like you said wellsian where he's back on his shit he's like you know what i'm a fucking filmmaker i know how to do this and it feels really like still instinctual but very intentional and it's amazing yeah he's poured it all out for this one if he's been holding it because like the shots of those the shots of like the autumnal leaves are are just gorgeous it really sets you up for the decay of this movie Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like push and pull between beauty and grotesquery and there's even like just the, it, it, the the little touches in this one make it like when she's doing her needlepoint and she's talking oh. little red dots, which I'm sure she's sewing in, but it looks like she's pricking her fingers. Awful. It's like in the best way. I mean, awful in a good yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you have like, well, speaking of shots, there's an amazing shot. Um, and I love a good mirror trick shot where, oh. it should, where I think, yeah, where Lena's in bed, the camera pans over. 
to the right to catch Susan Hemingway coming in through the door. And then as it follows Susan Hemingway back, you realize that what you were seeing was a reflection because now it's pulled back. And now the room, the spatial dimensions of the room have changed and it's a little disorienting. And that's when she allegedly, who knows, is pouring poison into Lino Romay's thing. It's a, it's a shot that I would say he had to spend a little time. I would say he probably took a few takes to make sure that shot and the yeah. one you're mentioning too. Yeah. Well, and the, and the dinner scene one as well. He, I won't spoil that one, but there, there are a couple moves he does in this that it's not like the other the fucking, people. Uh, flowers, this flowers of Shanghai shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a couple things in here that it's not that other people haven't done it before or haven't done it since, but in my opinion, especially the, the more grandiose ones we're talking about, um, almost always, especially now, when I see it in a movie, it's so painful because it's clearly just about how fucking sick the filmmaker is and how much they're excited that people want to have sex with them at film festivals because they're interesting, um, you know, the A24 model or whatever. But with this movie especially, but with Franco at large, I would say, and it's why we get, I think, so defensive when people say it's, you know, like bad focus pulling or lazy zooms or whatever and all this shit everything he does is always a part of the story and especially with this one every camera move especially the grandiose ones um really only pull you further and further into this film and uh confuse things more and more in the best way yeah absolutely and and fucking lena and susan this might be both of their best performances they're just on fire like everyone in this movie is on fucking fire yeah, they really are. They're killing it in this one. And I think like along with the de- like the sort of degenerative crumbling mind aspect of the movie, not only is he probably reflecting on his uh, ex-wife's current state and his dealing with that, but it's also like this movie, and you could say this is true for a lot of Jess movies, but it does feel like this movie has, everything's kind of led to a certain point here where a lot of things that he's done up until this point get put in that bottle and shook up and then explodes out with a with a torrent of built up force and you just see like a lot of these themes played over again and done in this way that makes everything feel very reflective up until this point almost like his own mind is crumbling looking yep. back on everything yep absolutely it, it's it's just uh this is stellar experimental narrative filmmaking of the highest order. Yeah. Cause these are two like this one and Je Brûle to me are um, from what we've talked about so far, his like experimental peaks, I think, yeah. or at least experimental leaning, whether or not direct, you know, whether or not like films, but you know what I mean? It's where the experiment works <laughs> and he's not yeah. experimenting, you know, it's like, whoa, pulled out, pulled both of these off. Like, yeah. You know, That's why this is one of my favorite fucking streaks, the films we did for today, because it's so important when they land, whether they work or not, leading up to this fucking moment. Which, yeah, if you have not seen Sinfonia Erotica and you make films or you want to make films, get on that shit now. That's it. <laughs> Even though, again, Jebrul is my favorite still, but this, if you are trying to make films or you have any interest in it, this is what you study right there 
Yeah. And just remember getting a good location does a lot of your work for you. So but it's what the smartest ones always say. Mm-hmm. Well, you just you feel your mind rests when you have a good location and then you can focus on all the other aspects of yep. a movie. Yep. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I shot in a hotel. That hotel is still going today. And yep. uh, you can take a, a, according to Thrower, you can take a horse and buggy ride around the estate, just like the Bressax. Can we, God damn, I wish we had the kind of money where we could get, I'll be Lena, but we could get those outfits on from the opening scene and we can take that ride. I'll cry. Yeah, I know you will. I know you will. This movie also, I've seen this movie, I can't even imagine how many times at this point. And I've always loved it, but this one made me have a little bit of a breakdown in a good way this morning when I revisited. I cried. I cried quite a bit watching this. You're a soft bitch, um, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm with you. This is a this is a very <laughs> emotional. This is a very emotional movie, especially if you know what was going on with his life. That amplifies it to a pretty uh, sad, bittersweet conclusion. But yep. hey. We have reached the end of another episode. This one was a lot longer than the rest of ours, but uh, hey, very, the passion's okay. running high. Um, all yeah. right, next week, little teaser. Um, some of the shit we're going to be hitting, uh, whether you like them or not. But we've got the cannibals coming. We've got fucking Devil Hunter, Sadomania, Bloody Moon, Bloody Moon. Now there is one that you might want to re- listen to is our thoughts on the movie Bloody Moon because then if you live in Chicago, you get a chance to check our work for us. On and you the- get to hear because has have you seen Linda yet? Oh yeah, Linda's great. I like Linda. Oh yeah, you watched it. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll see no, I'm, let's okay. just say I'm well ahead of our schedule here. <laughs> All right. Well. We'll see y'all next time. And uh, the end of that episode will be one of our favorites, too. We'll be talking about uh, Macumba Sexuel. It's going to be a blast. And stick around for an announcement. Not for that one, but uh, one similarly that will come down the line in our episodes that may be playing soon at an atypical location for us in Chicago. Very atypical, but a place I want to go. And uh, yeah, then just stay tuned for... Maybe Franco screenings coming soon to a theater near you. Yep. We got a lot to we got a lot of work to do, but we are gonna make it happen. So just if there are some episodes that we maybe miss or we're a little late to getting to, it's not because we're both just sitting around playing Mario Kart. You know, we I are we are actually I love trying. to waste a day. It's been so long. I know we nothing for a day. I can't even. Jesus Christ, I would love it. But yeah, whatever. we've really been working every day, even on our days off. We are that committed to making this a thing for you all that we can chill a little bit and uh, you know just make money like normal people off of. So until that time comes, we're gonna keep running ourselves ragged for you all because we love you. Yep, love you. We'll see you next time. Bye.